Broadcasting from the heart of commie-controlled America, the no-bullshit bearer of doom and gloom, opium-free broadcast, the most important hour of your day. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. My name is Josh, that is Vince Tagliavia. This is the Red Pill Project's Daily Dose, live with you Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Eastern Standard Time on Tuesdays at 8 p.m., 8.30 p.m., Monday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. This is where we bring you the unfolding global conspiracy. And what is that? Well, many people out there are unaware of what's occurring and what's happening, but here we are very, very awake to this conspiracy that has been formulated for a very, very long time. Earlier today, I sat down with... uh, Justin Deschamps and, and David Whitehead for Earth Chronicles, and we discussed yeah. kind of like the the history of fear in this world, mm-hmm. which was kind of interesting. And you know, you have you talk and you have these revelations, but if you look throughout history, this is the same thing that's happened over and over and over again: is that society has this de individualization, right? that they try to move people away from that individual. You can see it within the scientific communities, right? You had Copernicus, Bruno, Bruno was burned at the cross. You had um, Newton, you had all these guys that were outliers within the science, but they, they, they went against the establishment and they were persecuted for going against the establishment because there was a consensus. That consensus ruled over the minds, ruled over everybody within that society. You know, before, Usually before like 1600, during the dark ages, the middle ages, the people were illiterate. People couldn't read. And so what you had here was you had these people that were easily manipulated and easily construed and would bow to authority simply because they didn't know no better. And so what we see in this society today is exactly this. And I was talking about it. And you have this demasculization, defeminization within our schools, in our societal and cultural systems. And we look at the kids today, the Gen Zers, who are, I think the newest report, 20% of these Gen Zers are coming out as trans, gay, bi, whatever it might be. Alphabet, alphabet soup group. Yeah. Right, alphabet soup group. That's, that was the exact term I use is alphabet soup. Yeah. Now, if you look at that and you look at their parents, their parents were the ones that were first introduced to technology, uh, you know, cable TV, the 38 channel blitz, you had cell phones, you had early computer technology internet, all these different things. Mm -hmm. And what this did is this took away from the social structure of getting outside playing of, of going through those things in school. Like think about it like this. When you were a young kid growing up, you went outside, you played, you fall down, you get bruised, you sprain your ankle, you fall off your bike, you knock out a tooth, you get a black eye. (laughs) These things happened. This was the masculinization of a male, the process that they would go through till they hit puberty. And then they have this kind of emotional vigor already built up the same thing with the feminization of women. They would go through, they would paint each other's nails. They do each other's hair. Now you have the women doing the men's hairs, the little boys hairs. Right. And, and this is one of the problems that they see this lackluster that they've had throughout their lives that they missed out on. And they're pro- projecting it upon their protege, a progeny, right? Whether they're male or female as well as they have this kind of this this process that's occurring within society to take that out of the school systems, right? To give women, and, and there's nothing wrong with giving women an option, but the reason why the option these days 
to have children, become a homemaker, become a wife, stay home, or go out and work and have a career, do these things. The reason that option is so easy for women is because we defeminized women throughout the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. It started with the Cultural Revolution in the 60s and has since been expanded. And, and it went full force when the internet and social media and all these other things came out. And so we have a demasculinization and defeminization. And this is the removal of the individual. And what does it do? It produces, and we were talking about this earlier in the show, mm -hmm. these, these safe identities, like safe spaces, right? In the early 2000s, you had safe spaces. I feel yeah. so offended. I need a safe space. Now you have safe identities. Now you have an identification of the self where a group recognizes you and the group protects you. This is nothing more than hive mentality. Yeah. This, is, this is communism 101. And so when yeah. we start seeing this, this is the agenda. Yeah, and you know where I see it? I see it a lot with the climate hoax that's going on. And, you know, yeah. they say we need to limit your carbon. You need to ma put a mask on the cows. And it's for the greater good, just like you said. It's delusional. And there's a lot of men mental illness wrapped into all of it, too. Well, I see some people talking about how it's also the, the, the family. And that's where it started. Yeah. Um, you know, Justin, Justin said this specifically. He goes, in, it started in the 1920s with the destabilization wow. of the family infrastructure. And I go, yeah, Philo Farnsworth was, was demonizing his own invention. They're like, who's that? I'm like, well, that was the guy who invented the TV, Philo Farnsworth, oh. right? The 1920s. What happened there is, is the women's rights movement. These are what came about. And this kind of expanded into the 1960s where that counterculture revolution really fortified this aspect of it. But it was still there in a certain sense. But then you had the destruction of <clears throat> you had the destruction of the black communities. One thing that people don't know about the black communities in the United States of America pre-1960, many people think that they were uh, uneducated. Many people think that they were illiterate and they lived in poverty. Actually, they didn't. They made up over 62% of the middle class in the United States of America through the 1940s and the 1950s. And the reason that was is because <laughs> more and more states were basically abiding by the abolishment of segregation and slavery and these types of things. And they were the skilled labor. They were the skilled labor force that would come in there and they would be the ones making the money. They established the new middle class. And that occurred all the way up until 1964 when the Civil Rights Act was passed. And then the creation of ghettos to help these people. And then what they did is they threw them into these cities and they pumped drugs in there and they arrested the father. They threw the father in jail. Now you have a single parent uh, family and these kids grow up to be just like the environment that they're raised in. Drug ridden, crime ridden, poverty ridden. And you can blame the you can blame white Democrats, racist white Democrats for that, and you can blame racist white Republicans for that. I'll be straight up and honest with that, right? And it's not a part of our history that I, I I'm proud of, but I'm not a white racist. But that is the thing is that they demolished the minority communities during these times. Well, during the 1980s, this came about and they begin demolishing the, the other families, the, the predominantly white families. And how did they do that? Economically. Economically, because the mother could no longer stay home because the dollar had devalued so much over time and the cost of goods and services had raised so much 
that you no longer could afford to raise a family on a single income. And by the 1990s, mothers had to go to work just to support the family because the economic system had gotten so bad. And now you go 23, 33 years down the road, those kids who grew up in those environments, single family mothers, single family fathers, um, dual income families where the mother and the father weren't there. They were raised by Roseanne Barr or, or ABC or TGIF and raised by cable TV and Nintendo and eventually by AOL online and the internet and then cell phones and tablets. Yeah. And what happens is, is that you have this derivation away from this structure of societal structure. Uh, Justin Deschamps was talking about this in Earth Chronicles that pre previous to 1920, the women's rights movement, is that the typical child growing up would have 14 to 16 support figures within the family grandfathers yes. uncles brothers uh you know father neighbors best friends these type of people and those people yeah. that support structure and they're always communicating they're always in contact with each other and that was the society was structured back then but yeah nowadays, pff, got can't trust money. anybody nope yeah you know it's uh we're really lucky if we were raised by our families or by some kind of structure like that, because it does take a village to raise a child, mm. you know, there's church. This, sure. There's this um, delusion by people that think, Oh, to be a good mom, to be a good mother, I need to do everything on my own and mm -hmm. somehow make it happen. It's impossible unless you're just filthy rich. And even then you're hiring somebody to be there. It's like, you need a lot of people to raise people. Right. Yeah, you do. And, you know, this other aspect that and how this conversation got started was because fear is the mind killer. And so this was pretty cool. So David Whitehead yesterday was on um, Mike Adams, Brighty on TV, Mike Adams show. So his cult of the medics is going to be hosted on uh, Brighty on you, which is really bright, bright you, their new university mm -hmm. they're coming out. So his nine episodes are going to be featured on there, which is really cool. So we did an interview with Mike Adams yesterday. Well, today, wake up i get a, a text message like dude i just saw your face on alex jones i'm like what i wasn't on alex jones what are you talking about but apparently someone clipped our interview with michael desarian and you see me and david and michael desarian michael desarian talks about theorist and mind killer interesting enough so it was on infowars and then also anonymous's channel with like 3.5 million people on youtube also posted it pretty cool but nice. but this is from our earth chronicles show when we talked to Michael Desarian, and this is clipped. That's not what I wanted. This is clipped. And I want you to I want you to, to listen to what Michael Desarian does as he talks about fear. Listen to how he talks about fear here. All right. The world conspiracy is in inept hands right now. Whereas prior to the early, the first half of the 20th century, it was in very expert hands. The old guard died off. You don't have your Cecil Rhodes anymore, and you don't have your Lord Kitcheners anymore, you know? So the new brats that came in to rule the system in the place of their fathers are fucking cuckoo, and they're inept at running the machine. But the one thing that they still maintain is fear, right? So our modern age is an age of anxiety and also fear, because fear is the mind killer. And so they manufacture all sorts of Dr. Strangelove Frankensteinian stories about the world to come. And you just go, well, that's it. We'll be immobilized out of a band 
and or my cell phone and they'll know where I am and I won't be able to move and I won't be able to do it. And all of this is potentially true. But there's an equal case for the impo- possibility of, of bringing those things to bear as much as there is the, the theory that they can be put in place. Anyone who studied the Brotherhood for five minutes properly and sincerely knows that it is through my, the fear that they generate within me that they not only feed off, but control us all. It's an invisible enemy. The other stuff, at least, you know, maybe I can do something about that or move to the country or, you know, so the human race might rise up and might, 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 might. But while I'm waiting for that, I'm drowning in psychological terror. That is the control mechanism. That is the control mechanism. The fear is the mind killer. The main character in Frank Herbert's Dune uses a mantra to overcome his fears. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total. So fear is the mind killer, as Michael Desarian points out. And he's absolutely right. Is that you are, your environment has been turned into this loving center pre-1920s, this loving center by a massive support structure of family who are willing to raise you, to do what's right, to teach you the right aspects of how to be a man or how to be a woman, how to grow up and how to learn, how to how to see the world for what it is. It has turned into that, to be dominated, your environment, being dominated by this massive traumatic state of psychological fear. I mean, how many times, and I want people to truly understand what this not does to you, because it does something to you, but what it does to your children. How many times in the last month have you heard the word world or the phrase World War III? Imagine. Uh, Good. Many, 30. Yeah, 30, 40, 50 times. And not just from this show. You, you hear it on the mainstream media. You hear it from Donald, you hear it from everybody. And here's the thing is what does that do to the psyche of a child, of a five-year-old, of an infant, when they hear World War III? It normalizes it for them, right? And if they have any relevance and understanding of what that actually means, then it traumatizes them. It induces a state of fear within their system. Now think about all the children that just lived through the pandemic. Oh, man. What does that do to them? Next time they hear the word virus, oh, no, mass time. Oh, no, got to get a shot. Everything's locking down. Tyranny, authority, oppression. This is the, the massive state of fear that is brought upon the psyche during these environmental aspects when your environment is utilized as a state of psychological trauma. And so this is the ultimate psychological warfare. And so when we go back and we start asking ourselves, you know, how did we get in this place? How did we get here? You want to know how we got here? Yes. Do you know who Joseph uh, Joseph Campbell was? Uh, Sounds familiar. Remind me. So he was a mythologist. He he had a great series on PBS about the, the history of mythology and the various archetypes and how these archetypes fit into that. But he derived the concept that every great mythology is filled with what's known as the hero's journey. So Star Wars, Indiana Jones, these are all the hero's journey. Yes. The thing is, is the hero's journey is a, a metaphor for how life unravels 
you're born innocent and pure and you go through this learning phase within your life. And then you come into this point where you have to build yourself up. You have to go through the trials and the tribulations of life. You have to take the punches, the kicks. You have to have the verbal abuse. You have to have the things come in that show you just how beautiful and dangerous your environment is. And then you are presented with various types of problems in the world of which you must solve. Right? Th this metaphor that is portrayed in tons of various books and movies, it's the underlining theme in the majority of the books and movies. Lord of the Rings. It's all there. Game of Thrones. It's all there. Okay. What this is representing is your conquering of fear with courage. It's that you have this baseline of courage that's developed within you through this moral and ethical standard of these, this, this moral code of goodness that is embedded within our very fiber that throughout our youth it is raised up and grown like a seed. And then when we hit adolescence, it's put, it's put to the test. And we come out of that better than what we were, a master or a student of understanding what that heart really is, the courage that derives from it. The word courage, by the way, is French from courage. And it means deriving from the heart or from the spirit, the embodied spirit. So the spirit is what defeats the fear. And see, wow. you know what happened to society? They lost their spirit. They lost their spirit. Hence why this is a spiritual war. This is a holy war. This is biblical. Any way you want to look at it is we lost that, 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 that lesson of courage. We lost that moral and ethical foundation, which brings about that spirit, which makes us human. And it fits directly into this jet agenda of the de-individualization. And if we look at what's happening in society right now, you will see it. You go anywhere. If you go to the grocery store, you go to Walmart, you go to your work, you go, go to any place of business, you will see it. You want, to, you want me to show you someone who's demasculized, who, who doesn't have that spirit communicating with them? Ooh. Go down to the grocery store and find one person with a fucking mask on. Oh, yeah. That right there. That is a person that is living every moment of every day of their life in absolute terror. Yeah. Terror is not real. It's an illusion. The grand illusion. I've talked about the Scooby-Doo metaphor, right? Yeah, I love it. I love the Scooby-Doo metaphor because I said this at, at uh, the Guard, Great American Restoration Tour. And people are like, awesome. whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That's a good one, dude. Like they got it. But yeah. this is something that I learned. And and I learned it because I, I watched Scooby-Doo. And, you know, oh, it was a ghost. It was an alien. Scooby-Doo and Shaggy are always, oh, Scooby. You know, always shaking and trembling in fear over the monster, the ghost, the alien, um, the, the, the demon, whatever it might have been. But at the end of the episode, the masculine mad, Fred, Walks over and pulls the mask off. The masculine man, the tall masculine man, pulls the mask off. And what did you find out? That it wasn't an alien, a monster, a demon, or a ghost. But it was instead a man wearing a mask. And once the mask was removed, you disempowered it and empowered yourself. And so the overall moral of every single Scooby-Doo episode was simply this. That all fear 
is derived from things that are unknown and undefined. And the moment you define them, pull the mask off. You disempower that fear and empower yourself through the knowledge of knowing what, right? That's the beauty of it. And they show us in Scooby-Doo that this happens through the masculine force. Fred going over there, pulling the mask off. It's okay, Scooby and Shaggy. They're the little kids. They're learning the lesson of what life is really about because everything is a bump in the night. Everything is a monster in the closet or a ghost yeah. under the bed. We've lost that lesson as a society. That is the true God's the honest answer. We've lost that lesson as a society. And you know what? God help us to get it back. Because I know there's a lot of great people right here in this audience. I know there's a lot of great people that come onto the show, you, myself. And here's the thing is we are the knowledge holders. We are the wisdom brokers. We are the ones that have those lessons in life that have built up that mental fortitude, have built up that strength, that courage within the heart that are willing to stand up for what's right and what's good. We are the ones that are willing to go out there and, and, and show the younger generations of what the spirit actually is and how the spirit is a seed that can grow. Take them through the hero's journey. Unmask the evil in the world. But there's so many out there who are unwilling to stand up. So many out there who are unwilling to speak up. God help us because we need all the help we can get. And I'll actually give you a, a prime example of exactly this. All right? Yeah. Let's this is uh, Jose Vega. And he went down to um, an event which was being hosted by uh, senior executives at the New York Times and the Post and the Wall Street Journal. And they're all there. And he stood up and he said this. Now, I want you to listen to his words, but I also want you to watch the people in the background. The bystanders, okay? Watch what happens as he destroys their narrative. It's a policy and press hall event, so shouldn't we be talking about the Nord Stream since that's the biggest story of the century? And you guys, you know, I mean, you have the executive editor of the New York Times there who came out with a phony story to try and block Seymour Hersh. It just, it's just kind of funny how that happened, you know? I mean, did you even acknowledge Seymour Hersh? All of you are executive editors of papers that broke Pentagon, My Lai, Watergate. Is this the same papers or not? I mean, is there anything you've gotten right in the last 20 years or am I mistaken about that? I mean, it's just kind of funny because Iraq, wrong. Syria, wrong. Russiagate, really wrong. Okay, I mean, the list goes on and on. So the last thing you could do to try and actually fix your reputation is acknowledge that through leaks, we had to find out that Zelensky was going to bomb Moscow on the anniversary. I mean, if you're so impartial, shouldn't you at least say, right, that Zelensky was going to bring us on the verge of World War III? That seems pretty fair. While Julian Assange rots in prison, all of you got, you know, fat checks because he's in jail for doing your job. And you know what? Tucker Carlson ain't no Seymour Hirsch, but he did something you guys are scared to do. Speak the truth and actually be critical of the war, which is why he was actually fired from Fox, because you are all cowards. 
every single one of you. None of you have actually had any relevancy. And you know what? The mainstream press is now dying. Nobody's ever going to listen to you again. You have no credibility with the public. The only people who care about what you have to say are elite assholes who have nothing productive to say anymore. And it's dying off. So. Will you at least say something, either about Nord Stream or Ukraine or the fact that Zelensky brought us to the verge of World War III and the only reason we knew about that was through leaks? I'm, go ahead, it's a free speech event, right? You guys are the press. Let's say something here. Mr. Khan, come on, you know, you're the executive head of the New York Times, you know? I'm just trying to get into some good trouble here, man. Ooh. Listen, Karen, get out of my face for a second. I got to talk to these gentlemen. <clears throat> well, I just want to hear what they have to say. Go ahead, I'm done. Wait your turn. Wait your turn. Wait your turn. You could you could project if we can't. Yeah. All right. I do think that we need to give. Uh, our moderator a chance to ask other questions. We're on the verge of World War III. Thank you. Say something about this bombing. We blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. Listen, don't stand there while there are people rotting in prison. Nobody said anything about Uhuru, right? The socialists who are in jail for being critical of this war? God damn it! Okay. Wow. So, he's obviously dragged out at a free speech event. For speaking his mind. But did you True. see when he stands up, people in the crowd are sit down, asshole. You had the mm -hmm. man tapping him on the shoulder. You had the other man grabbing him by the shoulder. You had the one in, woman sitting in front of him going like this, trying to block him. Yes. Why? 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 Are they opposed to this man speaking his mind, speaking his speech? Or is that fear? I don't think they want him to be right. Ah, it's fearful if he's right because their paradigm completely shifts and transitions and change is scary. Not only that is everything they've worked for, everything they've supported, which has been the establishment, the authority crumbles. They have to yeah. start anew. I don't know because what if that he's feels right. Like. Everything else is right. I don't know what that feels like. So it's hard for me to put myself in their shoes. I, I can tell you exactly what it feels like. So one time I did LSD. And uh, this one time I did LSD, I felt like I had taken too much. And it began, and I, I, was, I, was, I was an experienced tripper. I tripped hundreds of times. And you, when you trip, you get like, the first thing that comes on is like you get spine shivers. And then you get this body buzz. Right. And the body buzz kind of floats you into this kind of realm of mind. It, okay. It's just a nice, relaxed state of realm of mind to where um, I call it the hot state because you have, you can feel the heat coming off of your body. Hmm. But it's also, it's like the air is really thick and everything around you really thick. Well, this happened really fast, like within five minutes. Usually it's 15 to 20 minutes before something like that happens. And this happened within like five minutes. And I'm like, whoa, this ain't good. And immediately when I thought this ain't good, right? Mm -hmm. Fear, fear struck me and it just kept getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger to the point where I'm boom, 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 heart rate. And I'm like, Oh no, this isn't good. 
this isn't good. This isn't good. Yeah. Right. And you're thinking, this isn't good. This isn't good. This isn't good. And I lean back. And one of the, one of the things that I don't like doing when I'm tripping is being silent and sitting still okay. because then you trip, like you literally oh. go to La La Land. Well, I did. And everything started to transform in front of me. Everything started resonating. <laughs> Things just started appearing in front of my head. I saw um, uh, a school of fish fly by in front of me with a shark chasing them. And the shark was going around in circles, right? And I started to realize that the reality I knew, okay, was not the ultimate reality, but instead a variation of what reality actually is to where my paradigm of understanding of my existential reality of my existential being, what I experienced during the day as a normal human being who's sober, who's walking around is not reality. It's simply a variable point of what reality can be. And it completely changed my whole perspective on life and everything. Um, because yeah. at that moment, I realized that not only can I change my conscious state in the sense of perceptionability of thought, but also the world itself through influences externally can do that as well. And these are what do we call aha moments, epiphanies, these types of things. And these are made in the universe as a point of opportunity for growth. But people look at them as something to be fearful of, as an enemy, as evil, because they change that level of comfortability. They change that comfort zone of where they've never grown, but they made a cozy home. I always, I always say there's four types of people in the world. I, I say there's, I do like three different variations, three types of people, four types of people. This one, okay. there's four types of people in the world. Yeah, There's people who live in a box. And they have no idea the box exists. Their whole world revolves inside of this small little box. Okay. The second type of people, they live inside the box and they understand that the box exists, but yet still they choose to live inside that box in that world. Those are the ignorant. There's a third type of people. They control the people inside the boxes. But then there's the fourth type of person. The fourth type of person realized a long time ago that the box never existed. That this domain of reality is ever expansive and infinite. And the finite limitation that you put upon it is only through the extent of your own imagination. Now, which one are you? Because to defeat evil, to overcome fear, to have the faith within the courage of your heart and your spirit. You must have a mind that is expansive, that exists in the realm of the infinite, that has no finite limitations, that every single wall that you encounter, you break down, you climb over, or you find a way to get around. That's the world we live in, and that's the type of people that we need right now. That's the only way that we're going to save this world, this country, and humanity. Because it is my firm belief that this isn't about throwing humanity into a slave state. 
reducing the population down to 500 million and throwing them into a slave state. I truly believe that whatever's happening right now on this planet is the extermination of the human race. Is they want us all gone for good out of here. This is why you have the climate change agenda, reducing the carbon dioxide in the atmosphere. What does this do? This is going to systematically cool the planet over time. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? What does that have? That's called terraforming. We have a climate change terraforming agenda. We have an evil occult, dark occult agenda, which is based upon eugenics, human sacrifice, as if human beings are nothing but chattel. They might leave a few hundred million around as slaves. Who knows? They're sycophants. But at the end of the day, whoever, whomever, whatever, this evil is, whether it's demonic, whether it's alien, whether it's interdimensional, inter-earthly, earthal, I don't freaking know, whatever they are, they want to exterminate the majority of the human race. Yeah, it appears to be that way. And so when we reach out to go out there to fight this good fight, we have to be that fourth type of person. We have to realize that there exists no box, that any and all possibilities are potential outcomes, that we must find within ourselves that armor of God. And I, I, whether people want to, I know people had a lot of criticism on my blog post that I wrote on the armor of God. But if you break it down from what I would call a, a spiritual or esoteric inner meaning perspective, it makes a lot of sense that these things are the armor of God are things that you build up within yourself, mental fortitude, courage within the heart, a strong foundation to stand on the sword of faith, faith, which you can swing. That's knowledge. That's wisdom because that's how you survive. And that's how you defeat your enemy. So that's my rant for the night. <laughs> I digress. <laughs> Fun stuff. I, it's, uh, you know, we, we get a good rant every once in a while, right? Absolutely. No, it's uh, appreciated. It's good stuff. All right. So a few announcements. Um, we changed the after dark Q and a, it'll be tonight. Have something that going on tomorrow came up last minute. Sorry. It'll be tonight at um we at nine so it'll be tonight at i guess we can do 10 p.m eastern standard time so 10 p.m eastern standard time you go to the socialredpill.com go to socialredpill.com sign up there get your free account you can also support us there with a subscription if you want but once you log in you go to the events tab on the events tab you'll see social red pill zoom that's where we're, we will be at also, I will take the link for the Zoom and I will post it on the feed on Social Red Pill. So if you're a member, you will get that email notification if you have that email notification up. So I highly recommend joining socialredpill.com, going out there, checking it out. The Q&A tonight is on there. Feel free to ask me any questions. Jump in there. I'm probably going to have a whiskey because there's a lot, lot going on these days. I only get whiskey like one or two nights a week. So got to get it in when I get a chance, right? And actually, all I got is Hennessy, so it's Hennessy tonight. It never fails. Hennessy never fails. 
But then what do we have going on in this elu- el- elusive world, this illusionary world? Oof. Well, it looks like the dollar's collapsing. A little bit. A little shaky. A little shaky there. Argentina mm-hmm. says it will pay for Chinese imports in the yuan instead of the dollar. Yeah, another one bites the dust. Yep. Chinese yuan overtakes the U.S. dollar as the most used currency in China's cross-border transactions for the first time in history. The Yuang share rose to a record high of 48%, up from nearly zero in 2010. U.S. share declined to 47%, down from 83% over the same period. Yeah, this might be a very historical moment, actually. Well, you remember the video I showed a while back of Ray Dalio doing the interview about the New World Order? I showed it on the show. What about it? What Ray Dalio was talking about is where we have the transition right now of global uh, homogeny, hegemony, hege- homogeny, right? The global, the global power shift is in progress. And this is political, economic, and social. And that China is rising up as the new, the new big dog. And so what that means is where does it happen first? It happens first economically. Then it's going to happen politically. Then it's going to happen socially. And that's where you should start getting concerned. Because when that aspect comes in, that's environmental, social, and governments, diversity, equity, inclusion. That's social credit scores, which are already being implemented right now. We, we see that businesses in the United States right now are already being measured with ESG standardization. Right? Yep. The reason Budweiser went out there and had that horrible idea of a commercial was because they wanted the score high on their social credit score. (laughs) That was it. Wow. And guess what? Those are coming for you next. They're going to come for their employees after that. And after that, they're going to come to the consumers. I see people talk about the camping trip. Yep. Camping trip. Um, I will be putting out some information by the end of the week on the camping trip for everybody interested Our third annual Red Pill Project camping trip will be in Utah, in Utah. Once we get the the reservation set, then I'll have you the destination. But the destination is going to be um, basically bordering Skinwalker Ranch. And then everybody's got to get Vince to come. So you got to convince Vince to come. All right. (laughs) But yeah, so I'll put out more information about that here by the end of the week. It's a really interesting location. It is. Yeah. Yep. So Skinwalker, it's it's like literally the campsite borders Skinwalker Ranch. If we can get it. And if we can't, then we'll be like 10 miles away because I'm probably going to buy a piece of land out there. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Nice. And so Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has warned that the United States is facing an economic catastrophe if the ruling class waits until the last minute to raise the debt ceiling. A default in the nation's debt would be disastrous, according to Yellen. Now, it just passed the House with McCarthy's cuts and is now on the way to the Senate. Schumer came out and said, it's debt on arrival. Not going to happen. Right. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. Gosh, what a... Clown show, man. So Fox has lost more than half of its audience in the key demographic following Tucker Carlson's departure. Have you stopped tuning in? So Fox uh, Fox News Tonight, hosted by uh, Brian Kilmeade, 
The network only managed to reel in 1.7 million viewers. Fox still was able to beat out competitors who received 678,000 viewers for CNN and 1.4 for MSNBC. But the gap between the networks seems to be closing. Tucker's uh, show on Fox used to pull in 2.9 million views every night, blowing the competition away. Making matters even worse, Fox, um, they plummeted within the key demographic of 25 to 54, which uh, Tucker Carlson normally dominates on. Apparently, we're seeing estimates of about a $1 billion loss due to the uh, the expulsion there of Tucker Carlson. And listen, people, there is so much more going on at that realm. I, I talked about it in Earth Chronicles earlier. Last week, Dan Bongino said him and Fox couldn't come to an agreement on his contract. He left Fox News. Yes. Okay. This week. Tucker Carlson let go from Fox. Uh, Don Lemon let go from CNN. What do all three of those have in common? Timing. Most controversial, radical figures on those platforms. Hmm. Tucker and Bongino are exposing the truth, throwing throwing it all out there. And then Don Lemon is the left-wing extremist propagandist who says basically the most atrocious shit in the world that is absolutely unfactual and bullshit, right? But he's the left version of these guys in the sense of propaganda and BS. And then Bongino and Tucker are the ones actually telling the truth. Not going to discount Jesse, but his show is nearly not anywhere where Tucker's was. So what does this tell you? Well, people are like, well, you know, Fox is going through, you know, they had the Dominion lawsuit. They lost almost a billion dollars. They have the Sparkomatic lawsuit, which is another $1.3 billion dollars. Uh, they are being sued by uh, Tucker Carlson's former booking agent, but she's not suing Tucker. Oh. She's suing Fox News over his staff, which she has recordings of them being anti-Semites and, and, and misogynistic. Well, why the fuck did you hire a lefty? Like Fox News is corrupt. I think well, I've known that for years. Then you also have Ray Epps, who was on 60 Minutes the other day who says that I'm going to come out and potentially sue Fox News over Tucker Carlson ruining my life. But here's the thing is I'd love to see the discovery within that lawsuit because I'm pretty sure Ray Epps will get absolutely decimated by the truth. But here's the thing. Fox News looks at Tucker Carlson now as a liability. All four of those lawsuits are pertinent upon Tucker Carlson's reporting and Jesse Waters and other people, but more so Tucker Carlson. So Tucker Carlson became a liability. Dan Bongino reporting the same stuff became a liability. Yeah, but I think but, what happened here is they gave Dan Bongino and Tucker Carlson a choice. This is the narrative that we're running with. These are the lines of which you have to do your news broadcast in. If you can't do that, get out. And they chose to leave. And my theory here, I don't know where Bongino is going, but I have a feeling that Tucker Carlson because the week before he had an interview with Elon Musk. I have a feeling that Tucker Carlson potentially could be the next Howard Stern in the sense of Cirrus XM, Starlink, X-Core, X-News, Twitter. Imagine if Tucker Carlson took his show to Twitter. Think about that for a minute. If Tucker Carlson took his show to Twitter, Signs maybe a $20 million deal, a year deal with Elon Musk. 
goes out there, has subscribers. It's pushed out there. Every night, there's a new tab that comes on saying shows. Boom, you have Tucker Carlson News broadcast. Maybe they put Don Lemon on there, too. I don't know. Have it unbiased. Yeah. But I have well, a feeling think- that he will be in business with, Tuck- with uh, Elon soon. It sounds like Elon wants to open that opportunity up to any of the users on Twitter, though, and it doesn't necessarily have to, they don't have to work for him, but I guess it wouldn't hurt to have a lot of big names doing it to bring the initial surge of traffic over. Right. Well, I think that if Elon Musk was smart and he wanted to um, expand into a social news and media platform, that that's exactly what he would do is he would try to go out there and say, Tucker, Don Lemon. And people are like, why Don Lemon? Because you have a, a base of left on Twitter. I yeah. mean, why, why are you not going to exploit that? Right? So Don Lemon, Tucker Carlson, come on in. Right? Do your shows here. And then eventually, if you read, if you read my blog from September, Elon Musk, when they go out there and they create the kill switch to the internet, Elon Musk goes, oh, well, we're decentralizing our internet. It's now a private membership association. You pay the monthly fee and you get access to our satellites. And hey, Twitter, whoop, going up in space in the cloud. Yeah. And the only way you can access it, have a subscription to Starlink. Have to buy the Starlink phone now, the X-Core phone now. And by yeah, the way, we have well, all these media giants with us. We have this show and this show and we have this show and we have this movie production yeah, that's what, I, that's what the internet's going to be, bud. There'd be a war before they let that happen, though. No, no. I, well, here's the thing: is they can't well, stop. I mean, Elon. no, but I mean, in the respect of them stopping all of their stuff, but letting Elon continue, they wouldn't allow that. You know what well, I mean? I, I agree, but I think yeah. what's going to happen is so. Here's the thing about Elon Musk: he's neither yeah. nef- left nor right, right? Politically, he he claims to be a socialist, a Marxist, right? He believes in free speech and freedom of expression. Okay, the reason, every, and he's a capitalist. Okay, great. So he believes. Wait, he he's a socialist. He's a Marxist, but he doesn't believe that the people should own the labor. He's trying to keep unions out. <laughs> well, okay, Elon. Anyways, what we have here is he believes in free speech, and I think that that is important because. What you're going to see is you're going to see Elon move towards this X platform, this everything platform, and it's going to be linked to Starlink. It's You're going to have Star Cloud, okay? Keep your data in space, safe and secure. That's going to happen. And you're going to have to bring in influencers. You know what? If I was, if I was Elon, you know what I would do? I'd buy Rumble. Hmm. If I was Elon, I'd buy Rumble. And bring Rumble into X-Core? Oh, man. Blow it up. Absolutely blow it up. Because you know what? Here we have Joe Biden announcing his uh, candidacy for president, which I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, I think that him announcing it is just part of the plan. But let's listen to what he has to say here. Our economic plan is working. We now- Our economic plan is working? <laughs> I have to finish the job, but there's more to do. And you're leading the way. Shovels in the ground, cranes in the air, factories opening. But don't take my word for it. Let me read a couple of headlines from left-wing Democratic papers, the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> Did he really just say that? <laughs> Listen to that part again. 
Let's read a few headlines. Word for it. Let's read a couple of headlines from left-wing Democratic papers. From left-wing Democratic papers. <laughs> like, how about we read some headlines from very biased-towards-me papers? The Wall Street <laughs> Journal. Wall Street Journal writes, quote, America is back in the factory business. Fortune magazine, Biden's manufacturing push is working. The Financial Times, transformational change. Biden's industrial policy begins to bear fruit. In a recent column in the New York Times, make manufacture greater again was the title of the article. It goes on to say, President Biden appears to be presiding over the kind of manufacturing serve that Trump had promised. Folks. He just looks bullshit. He looks just so familiar right there with that face. Doesn't he? (laughs) I know exactly. Hold on a second. He looks so familiar (laughs) with that face right there. (laughs) That cracks me up, dude. He does look like something. Dude, by the way, all of what he just said was baloney. Complete malarkey. It was. Oh, God. Am I going to be able to find this? Am I going to be able to find this? I found it. There it is. I found him. Oh, that guy? (laughs) Jeff Dunham. I was thinking of a different one, but that's funny. Yeah. Oh, you're thinking of, um, was it South Park? No, I forget. I have to find it. I'll share it when I do. So going to Joe Biden here. Yeah, everything he just said is absolute garbage and bullshit. Okay, great. It's garbage and bullshit. Yeah. Walter from Jeff Dunham. Um, Because here's the thing. If Well, look at our country. We're going to keep on doing this. The economy's working great. Dude, I don't know what world he lives in. But we just talked about the dollar declining globally, losing its complete power over global trade. Americans are suffering. Banks recorded the first ever loss on mortgages in over, like, what, 20 years. American homeowners are facing the highest, one of the highest default rates since 2008 on mortgages. You can't get a personal loan. You can't get credit these days because there's no money. There's no liquidity within the banks. We had um, First Signature Bank decline over 50% today on the trade day because they're basically bankrupt. We have more banks headed right behind them. And this guy's like, we're doing great. Yeah, you're doing great ruining the economy, and that's exactly their plan. But what else do we have here? Whistleblower to tell House Republicans, House Democrats, that the U.S. government is the middleman in a multi-billion dollar migrant child trafficking operation. House Judiciary Subcommittee hearing on Wednesday will feature the testimony from a whistleblower who will warn lawmakers that the U.S. has become a middleman in a multi-billion dollar migrant child trafficking operation at the border. The Biden border crisis, exploitation, and unaccompanied alien children will be held by the House Judiciary Committee on Immigration Integrity, Security, and Enforcement and will examine the surge in unaccompanied minor UACs at the southern border. According to the Customs and Borders Patrol statistics, the number of UACs who arrive at the border has swelled from 33,239 in fiscal year 2020 to more than 146,000 in fiscal year 2021 and 152,000 in fiscal year 2022. 
So far in fiscal year 2023, there have been more than 70,000 encounters, that's just encounters, with unaccompanied children. When migrant children are encountered at the border, they are transferred into the custody of the Health and Human Services and then united with a sponsor, typically a parent or family member already in the U.S. But the Biden administration has been rocked by a number of reports that officials have been unable to make contact with more than 85,000 child migrants. And more recently, administration officials reportedly ignored signs of explosive growth in child labor. A number have been forced into indentured servitude to pay back smugglers and have worked in dire conditions. The hearing Wednesday has three witnesses, Tara Reed Rodas of HHS Whistleblower, formerly an inspector, inspector General's Office, Sheena Rodriguez, founder and president of Alliance for a Safe Texas, and Jessica Vaughn, director of policy studies at the Center for Integration Studies. Rodas will warn of a problem that predates the administration but has increased significantly during the recent migrant crisis, according to the copy of her written testimony. Today, children will work overnight shifts in slaughterhouses, factories, restaurants, and pay their debts to smugglers and traffickers. Children will be sold for sex, she will say. Today, children will call a hotline to report that they are being abused, neglected, and trafficked. For nearly a decade, decade, unaccompanied children have been suffering in the shadows. Rodas will talk with her volunteering at an emergency intake site in California to help the HHS Office of Refugee Resettlement identify sponsors for minors who have come across the border. I thought I was going to help place children in loving homes. Instead, I discovered that children are being trafficked through a sophisticated network that begins with being recruited in their home country, smuggled to the U.S. border, and ends when the Office of Refugee Resettlement delivers a child to a sponsor. Some sponsors are criminals and traffickers and members of the transnational criminal organizations. Some sponsors view children as commodities and assets to be used for earning income. This is why we are witnessing an explosion of uh, child labor trafficking. Whether international or not, it cannot be argued that the U.S. government has become the middleman in a large-scale, multi-billion-dollar child trafficking operation run by bad actors seeking to profit off the lives of children. Rodriguez of the Alliance for a Safe Texas will share her experiences encountering accompanied children at the border, including teenage boys whom she said told her that cartel cooperates transported children through Mexico and held them at warehouses with armed guards. She will also call for, call for investigations with federal agencies responsible for the ending and releasing of migrants to sponsors. We can no longer turn a blind eye and pretend this isn't happening. Congress has the power to stop this, which is why I'm calling you to do this today. And the article goes on. And so people, you need to understand, and this has been reported in Arizona, this has been reported in Texas, in California, that when these migrant children come over and even when CPS gets involved with a, a child within the local area, when they go into the foster homes, they disappear because yeah. these foster families are working for the cartel. I've heard this before. This, this is, and, and your government is in on it. HHS is well aware of this. Judges, police officer, um, they're all in on it. And there's nothing these kids can do to get out of the system because nobody wants to touch it because they know they'll be unlived. And more of a reason why we need to um, go to war with the cartels. Heck yeah. They're crazy, man. Yeah, and here's Miss Rodas right here. Let's listen to her. Ranking member Japal <coughs> and distinguished members of the committee. It is an honor to be here. 
I thank you for the invitation to share my testimony. My goal is to inspire action to Ranking Member Japal and distinguished members of the committee. It is an honor to be here. I thank you for the invitation to share my testimony. My goal is to inspire action to safeguard the lives of migrant children, including the staggering 85,000 that are missing. Today, children will work overnight shifts at slaughterhouses, factories, restaurants to pay their debts to smugglers and traffickers. Today, children will be sold for sex. Today, children will call a hotline to report they are being abused, neglected, and trafficked, and we don't know if they're going to get the help they need. For nearly a decade, unaccompanied children have been suffering in the shadows, and I have to confess I knew nothing about their suffering until 2021 when I volunteered to help the Biden administration with the crisis at the southern border. As part of Operation Artemis, I was deployed to the Pomona Fairplex Emergency Intake Site in California to help HHS, Office of Refugee Resettlement, reunite children with sponsors in the United States. I thought I was going to help place children in loving homes. Instead, I discovered that children are being trafficked through a sophisticated network that begins with recruiting in home country, smuggling to the U.S. border, and ends when ORR delivers a child to a sponsor. Some sponsors are criminals and traffickers and members of transnational criminal organizations. That's just absurd, man. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe when you don't see it. Um, but that's 85,000 kids missing. And you know the numbers are probably far more. You're talking millions and millions of slaves worldwide. And right here. Yep. And you know, you know what this reminds me of? Is what? that preview we watched from Nefarious the other day. Listen to this. Oh, yeah. This is the new Unwoke movie from Hollywood. Your side's not doing too well. Do you really believe that, James? Yeah. We've never been freer. Literacy is at an all-time high. We're working to eliminate racism, intolerance, gender inequality. People can, people can love who they want, be who they want, do what they want. Diversity is no longer a dream. Hate speech is no longer tolerated. And politically... We're reclaiming the moral high ground. James, I think I love you. Literacy, James. James, the average high school graduate reads at a sixth grade level. You have basketball players making 30 million a year decrying racism, all while wearing sneakers made from slave labor. Now here's something for you. Right now, your world currently has 40 million slaves. More than the Romans had at the height of their empire. You want to know the best part, though? Half of those, half, are sex slaves, okay? As for hate speech, well, you want to hear some irony? We didn't even come up with that one. You did it all by yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you amaze even us. I fail to see the humor. Bottom line is you're done. It's over, that's it. And we did it all right to your face, James. And now there's evil everywhere. 
and no one even cares. Yeah, I don't, I don't agree. Proving that we achieved our goal. Slowly, with your movies, your TV, and your media, we desensitized you, redirected your worldview to the point that you can't even recognize evil when it's right in front of your face. So even just from that... Desensitize your worldview to the point where you cannot even recognize it when it's in your face. Yeah, it's, a, it's a really good monologue. I want to I wanna see that. Yeah, I'm, yeah I want to check that movie out. But evil has taken over this world, people. And it only thrives if we allow it to. Good can come from all this. We can save our world. You know, whether whatever you think of Elon Musk today, a, an account posted uh, Happy Alice Day to those who celebrate. I figured, why not use today to unveil the YAP pride flag I designed almost a year ago, the youth oh. attracted person flag. I wanted to stray from the oft used horizontal bars motif, but only a little. I wanted to retain some familiarity. So Elon Musk banned his account and said, nope, not tolerated. This is a pedophile. Yep, thing. this is a pedophile, youth-attracted person. Yeah. Good. So new uh, new report, Trump World Source tells Page Six, some of his supporters are suggesting he make a deal with DeSantis and make DeSantis VP, and he's listening. I mean. I don't know, though. Huh. <sighs> yeah. I don't I think uh, I don't think anybody's going to be happy with what happens this election cycle because we'll that doesn't excite me. I don't know why. Well, Tucker Carlson uh, uh, went out there and put his uh, first his uh, first uh, broadcast out since he left. Since yeah, I haven't heard it yet. One of the first things you realize when you step outside the noise for a few days is how many genuinely nice people there are in this country, kind and decent people, people who really care about what's true, and a bunch of hilarious people also, a lot of those. It's got to be the majority of the population, even now. So that's heartening. The other thing you notice when you take a little time off is how unbelievably stupid most of the debates you see on television are. They're completely irrelevant. They mean nothing. In five years, we won't even remember that we had them. Trust me, as someone who's participated. And yet at the same time, and this is the amazing thing, the undeniably big topics, the ones that will define our future, get virtually no discussion at all. War, civil liberties, emerging science, demographic change, corporate power, natural resources. When was the last time you heard a legitimate debate about any of those issues? It's been a long time. Debates like that are not permitted in American media. Both political parties and their donors have reached consensus on what benefits them, and they actively collude to shut down any conversation about it. Suddenly, the United States looks very much like a one-party state. That's a depressing realization, but it's not permanent. Our current orthodoxies won't last. They're brain dead. Nobody actually believes them. Hardly anyone's life is improved by them. This moment is too inherently ridiculous to continue, and so it won't. The people in charge know this. That's why they're hysterical and aggressive. They're afraid. They've given up persuasion. They're resorting to force. But it won't work. When honest people say what's true, calmly and without embarrassment, they become powerful. 
At the same time, the liars who've been trying to silence them shrink and they become weaker. That's the iron law of the universe. True things prevail. Where can you still find Americans saying true things? There aren't many places left, but there are some, and that's enough. As long as you can hear the words, there is hope. See you soon. See you soon. Awesome. What, is the, what was the hint he just gave there? The Where hint. are those places in America you can hear the truth? There is a few. See you soon. There you go. Tell him he's going to Twitter. <laughs> I'm telling you. He's, he's already he's already there. Dude, Whatever he does. After all... his conversation with Elon. Yeah. No matter what he does, it'll all be on Twitter. That's for sure. Yep. And, and what else did you see there? He just called it Uniparty. He said all media, left and right, are colluding yeah. against you. It's true. And that they're not the majority. That every all the narratives that they're producing is only held by a small, radical few, and they're scared. It was only two minutes long, and he just laid it all out. Beautiful. Three million views. So for those that don't know, Minnesota, um, state of Minnesota, which I'm living in right now, probably not too much longer. Um, the state of Minnesota is uh, elected, probably stolen elected, uh, some very, very extremist radical left people to their house floor. And so today they proposed a bill on that floor. And uh, just listen a little bit to this. Actually, I got to bring this back up again. This is pretty crazy. A Minnesotan writes an article uh, claiming or arguing that COVID-19 is a Chinese bioweapon that leaked from, the, from a lab in Wuhan. And someone reports that article to the Department of Human Rights. Is that something that the Department of Human Rights should put in their uh, bias registry under your bill? Representative Vang. Thank you, Madam Speaker. Uh, Representative Niska, uh, you know, not all incidents uh, are considered, I guess, violent or um, criminal, as I said before. And so this clearly, if with the rhetoric that we have seen since the pandemic and uh, regarding um, accusing Asians of bringing in the coronavirus, uh, that uh, is bias motivated. And so that can be considered uh, a bias incident. Representative Niska. Uh, thank you, Madam Speaker. I think I heard uh, yes to that, um, a yes to that, which is very troubling to me, um, that, that someone uh, making a, a factual argument uh, along those lines, I think is something that's within uh, political discourse would be uh, included in the Department of Human Rights database. Let me ask you another question, though, if Representative Vang would yield. She will yield, Representative Niska. Thank you, Madam Speaker. And Representative Vang, if, uh, if uh, a Minnesotan is wearing a T-shirt uh, that says, I love J.K. Rowling, and someone sees that and reports them to the Minnesota Department of Human Rights uh, as, an, as an example of uh, gender identity or gender expression bias, is that something that the Minnesota Department of Human Rights should put in this, uh, in this uh, bias database? Representative Vang. Thank you, Madam Speaker and Representative Niska. Uh, you know, I think this question will best uh, be answered by the lawyers. I'm not a lawyer myself. I think in the language of the provision, uh, we have uh, 
looked at the language to make sure that a substantial part of any incident has to be relating to uh, bias and hate and motivated. Um, and so I will, you know, I'm not going to say a yes or no to that question. Um, it is really uh, up to the um, those investigating to decide whether the, there is a state. Okay, so for everybody out there, the state of Minnesota, the Democrats, want to create a database to track the speech of Minnesotans that they deem hateful. Okay, this is called a direct, via, via, direct violation of the United States Constitution. Interesting enough, the Supreme Court of the United States has already determined that the First Amendment protects that which can be deemed hate speech. And, uh, you know, all Minnesotans need to get on the horn here. This is, this is not going to work out too well. All right, so I'm going to, let me go through, I'm gonna, we're going to touch on Sudan real quick. You wanted to say something, okay. Vince? I said this isn't about hate speech, it's about anything that doesn't agree with their narrative. But yeah, let's get into right. Sudan. Absolutely. Well, I wanted to go ahead and, and give a shout out to everybody who's donated to the Battle of the Streams. First and foremost, the Battle of the Streams, all our supporters out there. Um, if you guys do want to help support the Red Pill Project in any way, shape, or form, you can do that through the Battle of Streams, DLive, Rumble, Facebook, and Pilled. Um, or you can also go on over the Cash App, redpills.tv slash cash app. And then you can just use the money sign Red Pill Project right there. Uh, but uh, RPG3573 donated two ice cream. Shannon1313, five lemon, Deselect, one diamond. RPG, Shannon, and Deselect, thank you so much for all those donations. And we have uh, we have Fig, Enlightened Science, both donated. Two lemons from Enlightened Science. Thank you so much, Enlightened Science and Fig. Princess Little 8, one ice cream. Boyd 556, celebrating the 18-month subscription streak. Upstate Work donated one diamond. Thank you so much, Princess Little 8, Boyd. And upstate work. Qtara, what's up, Qtara? Must be off of work early. Uh, Qtara donated one diamond and five lemons and uh, two diamonds and five lemons. And Racing Ray 42 donated 111 gold pills. And Just Jim donated the can. Thank you so much, Qtara, Racing Ray, and Just Jim. And then Rizmo 7 donated four lemons and Cat 24, one lemon. Much appreciated, guys. Thank you so much for all those donations. And just a quick sponsor. Uh, throw out a throw out out there if you guys want to get those IRAs 401ks secured and protected at least a portion of them protected with gold and silver Dr. Kirk Elliott getgoldtoday.com 720-605-3900 and if you just happen to be out there that's getgoldtoday.com if you just happen to go on to uh, my pillow use that promo code RPP as well as my patriot supply guys they have a lot of great deals out there right now they have a uh, a lot of different things. If you want to check out uh, my Patriot Supply, go to redpills.tv slash Patriot or just scroll back and get that QR code that's right there, redpills.tv slash Patriot. Um, and let's go in here. So, so Sudan. Sudan, Sudan, whatever we want to call it here. We go in here and I posted, uh, I, I started looking. I told you guys last night that I didn't know what about the bio lab. I had us to look into it. I wanted to give it a few days, right? Well, I looked into it, and sure enough, there it was. <laughs> Ain't his day. So I'll pull up my Twitter here. And so uh, the Sedan Biolab is U.S.-funded and has ties directly to Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and the Defense Threat Reduction Agency at the DIA. The Biolab was working 
So this this part is actually not true. The BioLab is working on a phase two trial of the Marburg vi- vaccine. So it's Uganda and neighboring countries that were working on phase two of the Marburg vaccine. Okay. Okay. But Sabian Vaccine Institute is a eugenics hub for globalists. Affiliated members include the Aspen Institute, Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, CEPI, Gavi, and many, many more. And so, um, obviously, the, they're they're working under the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority. This is BARDA. We've heard of BARDA in Ukraine and many other countries. Um, so BARDA is working directly with Sabin, okay? And they're the ones developing the Marburg vaccines. And so we see that Sudan's National Public Health Laboratory um, has been seized by these militants, prompted warnings of causing huge biological risk. We don't know if this is a level four lab which would have access to Marburg's, but considering that many of the concerns that came out earlier said that it had Ebola in there, Ebola is stored in a level four biocontainment lab. So Marburg could easily be there as well. The interesting thing is, is that the vaccine development throughout the country, throughout the world, is already in phase two, which means that they could easily have it ready to go really, really fast in the advent of a breakout of Marburg. And so I think that in the sense of this fear paradigm that we're talking about here and the scare that the globalists and the deep state currently have right now, we could see exactly that being outbroken in 2024 or very, very soon um, and the the RDF, the, the the group that seized it, apparently is the loyalist to Russia. Uh, the other side was negotiating with the United States. Russia has denied this, um, and even the RDF, the 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 rebel group, has denied working with Russia. Although Weird. this has really spoiled the the uh, Russian naval base deal in Sudan, but we'll see. Hmm. All right, guys. Well, look. About 15 minutes, we're going to come back. We're going to go to After Dark Chat. You can find that on socialredpill.com, socialredpill.com, free to join. You go to the Mighty – it'll show you the Mighty Networks or Mighty Networks app. You can go there. You can join with subscription or you can join for free. Either way, you go to the Events tab. That's where we'll be. We'll be there in about 15 minutes from now, so we're going to head out early tonight. But I hope you guys enjoy the show. Please go out there, follow, subscribe, like. Go to redpills.tv. Put your email address in so you stay updated with everything that we're doing here. Um, if you want, go ahead and cut clips out of this and post that on your social media. That does help us out a lot. Uh, but much appreciated. Much love. Respect. God bless you guys. You guys all take care. Have a great night. See you guys next time. Either we will get the full cooperation of other governments to stop this menace or we will expose every bribe, every kickback, every payoff, and every bit of corruption that is allowing the cartels to preserve their brutal reign. And it is indeed brutal. And uh, they call me Eye Patch McCain. <laughs> I, it's, I think it's, I, I haven't, look. Frankly, uh, if you look at the media, where the media is a closed media, we don't have an open free media anymore. They don't want to hear anything. They don't write about it. It's a, it's collusive. It's uh, nobody's ever seen anything like it. It all happened during this period of time. It happened just before the election. They wouldn't talk about certain subjects that you know better than anybody, Michael. And uh, you know that's the beginning of communism.